Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Indeed. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast. And Pro Football Hall of Famer. The General. Sean McClain. Welcome. Welcome to Utopia. Everyone, welcome in. It is another victorious Utopia football podcast. Three in a row for the Houston Texans. They beat the Arizona Cardinals today. 21-16, the final score. The Texans sitting at 6-4 and four on the season now in D'Amico Ryan's first year as head coach. Good to be with all of you here on a victorious Sunday evening. I'm still out at the stadium. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast Sports Radio 610. And, of course, joined, as always, by the Hall of Famer, my good friend, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, doling out the report card grades today. We'll get into all that with the great John McClain. John, this feels good. Three in a row for the first time since 2018 and that nine-game winning streak that they had back in Deshaun Watson's second year in the league. It feels like it was about 10 years ago. It was five years ago, but it's still good. We use the Texans. The game coming up against Jacksonville should be their most enthusiastic crowd since the Buffalo playoff game after the 2019 season. They did everything they could on offense to give this game away. Terrible in the red zone, three interceptions by Stroud, but he had two touchdown passes. And the defense, I can't remember if this defense, maybe it's happened, is that three fourth quarter stops and uh, fourth down, fourth quarter stops by different players. A lot of guys stepped up on defense and uh, the spread was four and a half. They win by five. Now Jacksonville's coming in. And as you know, if they win, they're tied record-wise, but they would have the tiebreaker advantage. So really they would be in first place. So I'm fired up about this game. I know you are too, as well as the fans should be. I hope that uh, there's not nearly as many empty seats as there were, as there were for other games this season, including against Arizona they need that building full yeah they and I think it will be John it'll be full full but I think it'll be fuller than it was today I my prediction for this game is I thought this would look and sound a lot like the Tampa Bay game and I think some of that has to do with the opponent also you know this we're still at a stage where fans are getting reacclimated to the Texans being good and they're still reacclimating trust in the team that it's worth the money that they're that they're spending. I would say C.J. Stroud alone is worth the price of admission. Three interceptions today, notwithstanding, those three interceptions don't change anything about how I feel overall about C.J. Stroud. I'm sure they'll show up and stock up, stock down in just a little bit. Those picks for sure, um, but. I thought this game in the stadium, the energy in the stadium would be identical to what it was in Tampa, which is a lot of empty seats, but the ones that were there were really loud. And I was talking to a friend of mine, Scott Morgan, is one of the NFL down on the sideline kind of administers down. He's been doing this since the Oilers days. He's one of those guys that stands out there when it's a TV timeout. I don't know what they call those guys, but he's been doing it for 40 years. And he came up to me after the game. He showed he he always pokes his head in during the post game show, um, here in the studio, 
And he told us during a break, he said, that's, that was like down on the field. He said, that was like, like love you blue oiler level noise down on the field today. Um, I don't know if that's actually true decibel wise, but I would imagine for someone who's been down on the field or in that stadium the last three years, you, there's kind of a comparative thing going on. Probably like, man, it hasn't been this loud. I don't know. How, I don't know if this is the loudest it's ever been, but it hasn't been this loud over these last couple of weeks in a really, really long time. That's been the coolest thing for me is that people are starting to get back on board with this football team. And I don't understand why they pay money for tickets and don't show up. That just always has blown me away. I know so many people like to go to the games and just can't afford it. And they have thing on their website where people can give their tickets to the Texans and other people can get them. And, and, uh, but the loudest I've ever heard this stadium, and I've talked to a lot of players about it, it was 2011 in Atlanta. And T.J. Watt was making his first start. And the T.J. Yates, knew yeah. T.J. Watt, T.J., yeah. They yeah. wish T.J. Watt was making his first start. And T.J. Yates was making that first start, and the crowd was unbelievable. It's like they needed to help him. And the team was was on a roll, and, and Gary Kubiak had Wade Phillips, J.J. Watt, and they'd been bad for a long time. And so that crowd was unbelievable, but – it's not like the playoff games, nothing like playoff. And maybe how bad they need to the crowd for Jacksonville and a chance to overtake them for first place when nobody thought they had a chance. I can't wait. I wish it was Saturday and we could go back out to energy tomorrow. Yeah, I do too. It's going to be – well, it should, should make for a really fun week of getting ready for this game. Sometimes the anticipation, you know, the wait kind of makes it even better when it gets here on Sunday. But I'm with you, John. I am so excited this Jacksonville game. John, I had a I had a take in the postgame show today that I didn't get a lot of pushback from people on. Um, and, and part of it, look, I know it's 10 games in. And for me to say this too, when there's still empty seats in the stadium, it's maybe a little, a little uh, uneven for me to say this. But I, I don't know. And maybe this is just me that feels this way. This should be the best that any Texan fan has ever felt about the combination of head coach and quarterback for this football team. I'm talking in the history of, of this franchise. This is the best that anybody should feel. And I say that because the only other times it could reasonably compete with this would be when Deshaun Watson was winning divisions back in 2018 and 2019. And when the Texans first started making the postseason back in 2011 and 2012. And I would submit that the Watson O'Brien combo will never approach what they've got right now because of the lack of popularity with Bill O'Brien. And even though Gary Kubiak those two seasons of 2011 and 2012 were probably the best teams in the history of this franchise. And the love affair with the team overall was incomparable. You know, people showing up at the airport and things like that. We're not back to that yet, but I still feel like Kubiak, everybody loved, but Matt Schaub was not at a level that CJ Stroud is at right now. Even, you know, Matt Schaub through the six years that he was a starting quarterback, it was never at a level that this city feels like about CJ Stroud, right? CJ Stroud's the story of the NFL right now. Three picks today may dump dull that town a little bit, but for the last two weeks, he's been the cover boy on everything. This is the best that fans should feel about the combination of those two important positions to me in the history of this franchise. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. I mean, Matt Schaub had, had a, two great seasons, but he got hurt in 11. Mm-hmm. And he threw the ball with he and Andre Johnson. I always thought at one point was the second best twosome in the league to Peyton Manning and uh, uh, Reggie Wayne because they were racking up the yards, but the fans didn't have, they had the love affair with Andre Johnson, but not with Matt Schott. Matt threw a lot of interceptions, too many, 
And now I think part of the attraction for D'Amico is he played here and he was a hot commodity when they were able to hire him. And I think that uh, Stroud, because people were so down after losing Watson and all the controversy he went through, thinking you got finally got a franchise quarterback after bombing out with David Carr. And a lot of people had given up hope. A lot of people were so disappointed because they couldn't get Bryce Young. But I think that's that I agree with you 100%. That's the way it is. But uh, they got to keep winning. I think I'm going to do a stat on this. Look it up. Of all his turnovers that uh, Strouds have, had the, I think they've won. Every time he's thrown an interception, I think they've won. And uh, yeah, they're three and zero in games. Where they're three and zero in games he's thrown picks. Yeah. yeah, and he said he said six turnovers in the last two games. That can't keep yeah. going on. And uh, he had three in the first eight games. And uh, I don't know what he's got to do to be more careful with the ball, but uh, it's it's the excitement is through the roof here, and it's going to be even more so if they beat the Jaguars. Well, and I and I know you saw him after the game, John, in his press conference, because you go to the press conferences, but we played some of the audio on the post-game show. I love his attitude about the interceptions. I love that he's unfazed by the interceptions, and a lot of guys will say they're unfazed by it. I believe C.J. Stroud, just based on some of the things he was saying about, I'm going to keep shooting my shot. He compared himself to Steph Curry, and he's doing all – I listened to that cut with C.J. Stroud. I'm like, that might be one of the best sound bites he's had as a Houston Texan when he was addressing what effect – the three interceptions today will have on him, which it sounds like zero is 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 the effect. He's he is remarkable, John, at seeming to be able to to flush poor performance, internalize what you need to, and learn from it, but not let it affect how he plays moving forward. Well, one of the things about CJ is sometimes when you're playing great and you're throwing the ball with pinpoint accuracy you tend to force balls because you think you're almost Superman, like to play at the back of the end zone that was intercepted, play on the sideline, which was his worst one. It was like Cincinnati last week. So maybe he's got to settle down a little bit and be more careful. But, man, he's so accurate. Like that play at Tank Dell, rolling out right, fussed out the pocket, throwing it as far as he did, and Tank making that great leaping catch. I was phenomenal. Yeah, we had a, we had Tank on the post game show uh, today, and we asked him about that play, and he, we had him take us through the play. And if you watch the play, John, you could see that CJ's gesturing the Tank to, hey, hey, you know, CJ's getting flushed out of the pocket. He's motioning for Tank to go deep. Tank said in the post game show, he said someone told him that CJ was gesturing. He's like, I knew to do it because that's the kind of chemistry we have. I didn't see CJ telling me to go deep. My thought was I saw him get flushed out, and I knew he was going to find me in the back of the end zone. Those two have an incredible connection. It really is amazing. They do. Usually teams have if quarter if a protection breaks down, depending on where they are on the field, every receiver has a predetermined spot where he's supposed to go. Yeah. Depending on if he's rolling that right or left, if he's close to the sideline. And they always want him to come back to the ball. But in this case, Dale got open deep behind Wilson, the corner, and made that fantastic catch and man he is he broke the record of uh, owen daniels uh for catches by a rookie six he had been tied with daniels five he's on a pace for more than 10 touchdowns yeah he no tank is amazing he's he's absolutely legit legit um it's really really fun to watch um all right john you ready to do four stock up four stock down always all right so let's get it done here four stock up four stock down again the texans win 21 16 over the Arizona Cardinals today, six and four, and currently sitting as the sixth seed 
in the AFC. When you wake up tomorrow morning, Houston, you will still be waking up to a playoff team. Who knows when you wake up next Monday morning, you might be waking up to a division leader. We will see. Um, but let's go through four stock up and four stock down for this game. John, as always, the honor is yours, Your Honor. I'll leave Tank Dell for you, and I'm okay. going with Derek Stingley Jr. because you know he missed six games. He's been under a lot of pressure, a lot of criticism. He came back last week, gave up a touchdown pass in the first series, but then he played well, and they put a pitch count on him. And uh, and today he made that great interception when Kyler Murray threw it as far as he could go. He had the guy covered like a rash. I think it's Hollywood Brown. He made a great uh, interception, and then he had a big fourth down stop on one of the plays. He and Tavier Thomas, he played the run well. You know, he's still built like a fullback. And man, if Nick Casario had to be the most, the happiest guy in the building to see Derek Stingley Jr. play as well as he played. That's what I wrote, John. You know, I take notes and I post them on Twitter. Um, afterwards, but I take pretty copious notes during the game. And my what I wrote down with the uh, when. Stingley intercepted that ball, <laughs> but Stingley INT Nick vindication. <laughs> and I'm being somewhat tongue in cheek. Stingley needs to do a whole lot more than have one good game for vindication. It would help if Kenyon green learned how to play football. Also, John, the most amazing thing about that interception to me was the actual catch. Like if that was a wide receiver making that catch, we'd be like, that is an amazing catch right there. Contested kind of jumping over, like kind of over somebody and still to be able to come down and roll and hang on to that ball, that was a defensive back doing it, though. Like, we would have said if it was a wide receiver, man, that's incredible. That was a DB doing that. That was a that was a third overall pick in the draft kind of play right there. That's exactly right, and they need more of it. Absolutely. All right, John, I'll, you know what? Since you left Tank for me, I'll take Tank right now. I've got plenty of stock ups in my mind for this game on the defensive side. Um, but let's mix in the this big stock up on the offensive side for sure. Today was Tank Dell. Eight catches, 149 yards. That touchdown that you just described that turned out to be the the winning margin in the game. They didn't score after that for the rest of the game. They got goose egged in the second half of this football game. I'm just amazed at his ability to get open. I'm amazed at his hands. I'm amazed at his ability to take physical punishment. Um, I'm amazed at the connection he has with CJ Stroud. Um, we talked to him in the post game show, but probably the part that stuck out to me most about the post game show wasn't anything having to do with that touchdown or the offense. I asked tank about, Hey, the last two weeks, it's been the offense winning the game. And this time it was the defense. He gave a long, long answer a really good long answer about just how, how tight the chemistry is on this football team, how everybody has each other's back. You know, you heard D'Amico say that in the locker room speech after the game that I got your back, you know, saying to the team, I always have your guys back. Um, Tank was like almost emotionally talking about it, about how tight this team is. Um, he compared it to other teams that he's played for throughout his football career, going all the way back to high school. He said, I've played on some teams where guys are rooting against each other on their own team. He said, man, I was at Juco. You know, the guys would openly get angry if someone made a play in Juco because everybody's trying to get out of Juco. You know, we're trying to go somewhere else. Everybody's trying to go somewhere else. Um, the, just, just the way he described the chemistry on this team. And again, this is the only team he's ever known. So he's got nothing to compare it to, but certainly you and I have plenty to compare it to just from anecdotes that we've heard from players through the years about what different locker rooms have been like. And I can't ever remember a locker room where I've heard described the way I've heard a D'Amico Ryan's locker room described. This is a really, this is a, a like this is a really sort of incredible ethos that he's created in this locker room. 
I'm saying all this as I'm getting stock up for Tank Dell, but Tank gave such a great answer on it today on the postgame show. He's given uh, hope for all small receivers. You know, he's 5'8", 165. People talk about his speed. He couldn't crack a 4'4", at uh, 4'4'0", at uh, the combine. He ran a 4'4'9", which shows you a lot of his smarts and a lot of his quickness and reading the coverage. And I think now teams are going to look closely at guys who are smaller and productive because he had great production at U of H. And now they're going, teams are going to be kicking themselves for passing him up. All right, what's your next stock up, John? My next one's going to be Will Anderson Jr. Mm. He had a sack. He had seven pressures. He had uh, two quarterback hits, two tackles for loss, and on the last big play of the game, in which fourth down, Kyler Murray went back. The idea was to wait for Hollywood Brown to get open. Instead, Will Anderson kept came blowing off his side and Murray had to throw it up for grabs as hard as he could, and it was like a punt, and Anderson just drilled him. And, you know, Murray saw him coming, and that gave the fact that he threw it up in the air like a punt gave Stephen and- Stephen Nelson a chance to come over and knock the play away, one of the biggest of the game. But, man, Will Anderson played to run well. You know, if you take away Kyler Murray's runs, I think James Conner had 64 and so their backs had like 66 yards rushing. And so uh, I thought and Anderson played to run really well, too. And uh, I'm taking him. Even though Blake Cashman was great, too, I'm going with Will Anderson. Yeah, 19 tackles for Blake Cashman. I mean, Cashman's not even going to be mine on the last stock up. I am going to stay with defense. But, John, just to, to, to hammer home your point on Will Anderson, I loved seeing Will Anderson have the game he did against the team that was supposed to have sleuthed and, and thieved the Texans of their first-round pick next year to allow them to move up and get Will Anderson. I thought that was some really cool kind of parallelism, or I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. It was definitely appropriate. I thought that Will Anderson had the great game he did today, and to make the play that really allowed the Tech, at the end of the game, to make the play that sealed the game for the Texans and made sure that the first-round pick that was traded for him was at least another six or seven spots you know, further down or five or six spots further down the food chain. That's so each win is seems to be worth about three, four, five spots in the draft that Will Anderson forced that play at the end of the game to seal a win for the Texans and thus make the Cardinals draft pick from the Texans just a little bit worse. I thought it was really, really cool. I like that. He got another sack today, John. He got a sack. Two hits on a quarterback, two five tackles for a loss, as well as his sack and his four tackles and playing the run great. So, um, have we already done four? No, I'm doing mine right now. I'll do the last oh, one. I'll okay. make this quick. I'll make this quick. Uh, Christian Harris. John, Christian Harris against Tampa Bay early in the game took a really poor angle on a Rashad White catch out of the backfield and allowed a 43-yard catch and run. And I looked and I said, man, Christian Harris, just he's not been good this year. Ever since that play, really in that Tampa Bay game, once that was over, he made a lot of plays in the second half of that Tampa Bay game. He made a ton of plays last week against um, – against oh my god who did they play last week again Cincinnati he, he made some big plays against Cincinnati and he was great today John breaking up a couple passes making some hits um one of the plays I was most impressed with I mean ultimately the the Cardinals scored on this drive but the hit he made <clears throat> to stop Kyler Murray on third down to force a fourth and goal and and the the, the Cardinals having to score on fourth and goal that was not an easy play he, that's Kyler Murray in the open field and Christian Harris was able to settle in, get his base, knock Kyler Murray out of bounds, and force a fourth down from the two-yard line. Again, they ended up scoring, 
But I think there's a lot of linebackers, especially the size of Christian Harris in the open field, that Kyler Murray just would have put one move on him and just ju- and just waltzed into the end zone. Um, that that Derek Stingley, Will Anderson, and Christian Harris all had big games today, big enough games for you and I to put them all in stock up is huge for Nick Casario. Absolutely huge for Nick Casario. Um, Harris probably the least of the three because he was a third-round pick, but certainly Stingley and Will Anderson, based on where they were taken, what they gave up to get Will Anderson, today was a very good day for Nick Casario. There was a series in the fourth quarter in which he made big plays on first huge. down and third down. Yep. And we got to mention Blake Cashman, 19 tackles, 13 unassisted, a sack. He was tremendous. Devin Singletary, first back to have back-to-back 100-yard game since Lamar Miller way back in 2018. All right. You ready for – can we find four stock downs, John? I think we can. Yep. Okay. You, you, you're you up first. Stroud throwing three interceptions, six turnovers, two games, four interceptions, and two fumbles. He's got to cut down there. Fortunately, he threw two touchdown passes, three, 300 almost. He's, he's – the next time he hits 350, it'll be the first time in history a rookie's thrown for 350 yards four times. It's inevitable that's going to happen. I thought sure it would happen today, but he's got to be really careful. He's got to be better in the red zone, more accurate in the red zone, because they were one of four in the red zone today, and they were terrible in the red zone. Bad in the red zone, and it's a, a lot of that's on C.J. Stroud. Um, yeah, no, no, no doubt. He had 259 yards at the half, John. He was on pace for 518 yards at the half today. I mean, you knew he wasn't going to hit 500 yards. Although John going into the locker room at halftime, my feeling was, God, the te- it feels like the Texans, Texans can name their score in this game. They've just stopped screwing up in the red zone. It feels like they can name their score. The Cardinals were not stopping them at all on the ground or through the air. I mean, we could have put Devin Singletary in stock up again if we wanted to. He had 112 yards on the ground, but along those lines, as far as stalling in the red zone and stalling on drives, um, Bobby Slowick. Bobby Slowick's been great this year. For a first-year offensive coordinator with a rookie quarterback, Bobby Slowick has been the architect of one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL, an offense that keeps the Texans in every game. But for whatever reason, he has these glitches when we get into these must-have third and fourth and short situations with what he decides to do, that he used Mike Boone on a pitch on a fourth and two – deep down on the Texans' first possession of the game is is unconscionable, that he, on a third and one, where, man, if you can just go get a field goal in the second half of this game, you're forcing the Cardinals to score eight points to get it to overtime. And you go third and one, and you hand it to Andrew Beck up the middle. When you've got Devin Singletary averaging over five yards a carry, um, is is just, it's, it's malpractice. And I hate using that term because Bobby Slowick has been so good this year but those were two instances that were just, for whatever reason, John, he's got blind spots at times with these third and short situations and fourth and short situations where he just seems to get out over his skis a little bit. I hope it's something. he Now, Bobby Slug has adapted this year. You know, he started running the ball less on first and second down. That was good to see. That's the next thing he needs to fix. For whatever reason, dude, there's no reason Andrew Beck needs to touch the ball ever on an important down ever, 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 ever. Stop doing it. Stop. Doing it, Bobby Slowick. Mike Boone doesn't need to either. Don't take nope. the ball out of Stroud's hands unless you're giving it to Singletary. Fourth down, he lines him up deep in the eye. No blockers in front of him. Pitches the ball. Boom. Stuffed. Stuffed. Yeah. Terrible, terrible calls. Absolutely. All right, John, what's your next stock down? Boy, this next one uh, pains me. 
uh, Jalen Petrie. Jalen mm. Jalen is missing some tackles. He's not making big plays. Now he did. I'm sorry, he made a couple of big plays, but he's got a chance to make more. You see him flying through, and he has a chance to tackle somebody. Misses him, and I know he's he's better than that. Because when he was at Baylor, he didn't miss tackles, and uh, that's been a problem. And uh, so. Jalen, I think, ended up uh, participating in six tackles, but there were a couple times when he could have made them, and he, of course, on the 48-yard touchdown pass from Kyler Murray to Rondell Moore, he was the last line of defense and the closest guy to him, and uh, they got beat. Yeah, if he was just more disciplined, he'd be a pro bowler right now. It feels like every week he's somewhere near and around plays to make plays, and he's just not making them. Happened to him last week, too, against Cincinnati, John. He had might have been Joe Mixon or somebody dead to rights in the backfield. just slides past them head first, and they end up gaining you know 11 or 12 yards. That's the problem. When he's the one doing the blitzing or he's in the backfield, if they get past that first wave, he would normally be the safety that's coming up to make the hit. There's these big gaps in the middle of the field because it's almost like at that point, once he misses that tackle, it's like you're playing with 10 out there, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I would, and, and, and Jalen's such a good dude. Like you just root for him and he's, he's, he's there. He's around the ball. He could have had an interception last week against Cincinnati. He drops the ball. So you just, yeah, you just hope that he finishes, you know, like he's there finish, you know, um, mine, it's, it's, it's hard to find super duper stock downs, John, in this, in this game, because the only negative offensively was the turnovers by CJ. Other than that, they moved the ball pretty well for most of the game. Um, but I would say my other stock down, Matt Amendola missed his only field goal opportunity yep, today. I agree. Yeah. And, and so that's, I mean, you, you, if you're getting opportunities to kick field goals inside the 45 yard line, you got to be able to do it. You got to, you, you, you have to, he was part of the problem today in the first half, or at least when did he miss? Did he miss? He missed the field goal in the first half of the game. Yes, I think, he did. Right, ultimately, yeah. since, uh, since Jonathan Gannon foolishly went for two in the first half, uh, Amendola's field goal would have been made it a ultimately would have been a eight point game if he'd have been able to make it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Probably. I mean, well, Gannon probably kicks an extra point there if it's twenty four to sixteen instead of twenty one to sixteen. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you never go for two in the second quarter. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah for sure, for sure. Anytime before the fourth quarter, really. Um, so there you go, John. Four stock up, four stock down. Um, how's the report card look overall for the Texans? You don't have to give away too, too much. It wasn't, it wasn't all so many A-pluses like last week in Cincinnati. I gave a couple A's. I think I gave him a B overall. Gave the C-plus to Stroud. I think that was the, the worst grade I gave. And the okay. defense got better grades than the offense because they played so well when they needed to. And the offense was great in the first half and didn't, and didn't spit a drop in the second. Uh, John, what else you got? You got a you got a report card going on. What else you got going on? I've got a column, an overview of the Texans. I tell you, a column I'm writing this week, and I sure am glad they won. It's uh, sat down Friday with Cal and Hannah McNair, oh, nice. like I did in March at the league meetings when I was still working for Gallery Sports, and they were all fired up about the season. Well, now uh, they don't go through every door waiting for the controversy on the other side. Nobody is happier. Then the owners, so I'm going to write a column on them this week. Okay, good. Yeah, they got to be thrilled. <laughs> they're the toast of the town right now, John. They hired the most popular guy in town, and then their general manager drafted the second most popular guy in town, C.J. Stroud. All right, good stuff. John, that was fun. Always fun to break down a win. Let's go get number four in a row next week. 
Sean, it's my pleasure. I look forward to talking to you on Tuesday. Yes, absolutely. Tuesday, mailbag at gmail.com. We're going to do a mailbag episode. Send in your emails, mailbag at gmail.com, and uh, maybe you get yours read and answered on the air on this podcast. Big thanks to Austin Mendez stepping in for James Jackson today. James uh, taking a little Thanksgiving time off, so we'll have some substitute producers this week. Austin doing a great job getting this podcast out to you guys so you can uh, so you can listen to our reaction and react yourself to the Texans' third straight win. Six and four on the season now. They beat the Arizona Cardinals 21-16 today. Uh, so for Austin and John, I'm Sean. We are out of time. We will see all of you on Tuesday for a mailbag episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Uh, enjoy the week, everybody. <laughs>